Hi, this is Amir. And this is also Amir. And you're listening to the You Don't Love Me podcast. Life from the perspective of a gay South Asian married couple. Enjoy! I'm not going to sing. Why? I'm not going to sing. Why? Because I want to see as to whether that increases our listenership or not. Oh my God, shut up, man. That's... No. Do you know what? I can't win with you. Either you hate me for singing or now you hate me for not singing. Do you know what? I've been so nice about your singing for so long and now you're bringing up stuff. And then now you're saying that I shouldn't I'm sing. not saying... I literally, I'm not saying anything. You're just being really mean right okay, now. You're projecting. You're putting everything on me instead of taking responsibility for your own actions in your life. Listen, bitch. Save it for later. Now, okay. listen. Would you like me to sing or not? If you want to, you can. If not, I'm good either way. Okay, I will not sing then. Okay, work. Because I can read between the lines. There's no lines to read between. Like, <laughs> sometimes you need to believe. Maybe it's a trauma from your upbringing that doesn't allow you to believe when I say something. It's not love after love. I can feel Do you remember for the longest time you thought it was love after love? Right up until now. It's, it li- it's life, life after, after love. love. I can feel something inside me say. I, I really don't, don't think it's strong enough now. Do you believe in life after love? Ooh. Ooh. Okay. Share noises. Girl. Okay, come on, Chad Michaels. Yes, come on. Come on, hello. RuPaul. Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Very special podcast where we talk about things using words. Words from the dictionary that are spelled with letters. I don't think. Yeah, I'm a massive fan of the dictionary. Girl, bye, Gemma Collins. Bye. Because <laughs> it is an amazing, like, iconic British thing, isn't it? Sort of. Yeah, it's historical, bitch. Yeah. It's historical. No, I'm a massive. When Gemma Collins said that, I lost my shit. I was like, it was, do you know what? I was like, oh, she's not joking. She. <laughs> Right, the dictionary. I'm in that s- moment, she was like, I'm a proper professional girl here in my suit, and I'm really going to be really smart and posh, and I'm going to say this, and everyone's going to be shook at how smart I am. Yeah, I was like, der- yeah, she when she was like, yeah, and these derogatory things that are being said, I was like, who? Race? Immigration? You know, healthcare inequalities, what is she going to talk about? Oh, wait, she's going to talk about the dictionary definition of an Essex girl. Well Literally. done, Gemma. I live. But I I actually do live. I genuinely do But live. it's either that or, in my other opinion, how many opinions can I have? Yeah. She's playing a character. Oh, Gemma Collins. Very Lorraine Kelly. Lorraine Kelly plays Lorraine Kelly. Apparently, Lorraine <laughs> Kelly said that for tax purposes. She said, she, well, Lorraine Kelly's like, I'm a drag queen. I play Lorraine Kelly. Like, it's Lorraine playing Lorraine. I don't know if I believe so. So who's the real Lorraine? Oh my god, are we playing people? Are we playing Armour and Armour from Europe Long Voice? Yeah, do you know what? This is this was gonna be my point. I think eventually, inevitably, when you are a public persona long enough, you know what clicks with people and what doesn't. And so you will become a caricature caricature of yourself in order to appease the audience. Mm. Do you know what I mean? But it doesn't and, mean you're playing a character though. And and in and really all what you're doing is you're just amplifying a part of your personality unless you are out and out playing a character. I like say for example Joan Rivers was playing a character for the majority of the part when she's like, oh no, I don't give a shit and fuck you and yeah 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 like behind closed doors, you know, she was classy and refined and mm. Yada yada yada. That's the that's a public persona. Now that's not to say what she said on stage she didn't believe in, but you know it, it, it still 
but it's it becomes a character. Of course, like Paris Hilton plays a character. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like she, that's very well. That's why. Remember the Snatch Game that got Mick did, and she's got switched on. That's huge. It is great. Speaking of Snatch Game, oh my god! At the time of recording, right now, yeah. I wonder when this is released. If like All Star Six will have a winner. Okay, shall we shall we incorporate our feelings? Should we pre-do it? Okay, let's pre-do it. Let's. Okay, guys, we're not going to give you any spoilers. We know who's won. We know what's happened. But, but wait, will the winner even be announced at this point? We don't know. But let's pretend it. Let's has. pretend. Okay, let's pretend. Do you know what? Correct. Okay, we're going to do two. So who? who one where we're happy and one where we're not. So basically, one where it's Trinity Cobb Bernier and one where it's Ginger Mins. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, I've got. A, I've got a feeling Eureka's going to win. I won't be mad at that. But okay. I Trinity Gibbon give her the crown. No, okay. I'm not I'm not gonna name names. I'm just gonna be like, okay, okay um, here goes. Let's go. <clears throat> Down Bruno. The dog's still with us, by the way, guys. Mm-hmm. And um, she just scared me. Oh my god, I am so happy at the winner. I'm genuinely so happy. Do you know happy what? She correct. Deserves. Correct. She did so well. And it's about time like she gets the recognition she deserves. And the performance uh, in the last episode, like she was literally queen of the show. I, I thought I was gagged. watching I thought I was watching her show. Like the rest of them were just backup dancers. Oh, very that, very and, that. And the outfit, and the outfit was very correct. Like, I, if you're gonna be on the stage, make sure you sparkle. I feel like I nearly cried. Yeah, I feel like I felt seen in her. <laughs> I felt heard. Yeah, I felt. Yeah, I I felt like a part of my heart was there. I felt inspired. I feel like a better person. Yeah, I feel like there's there's a point to living now. That yeah, she's won Drag Race All Star Six. Yeah, this it was it was it was a moment. It was a cultural reset. Great. It really was. Well okay. done, amazing. Oh my god, we're hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we got really into that. Okay, and then I mean, we... no, no, sorry. Can I say something? Yeah, we didn't get into that. Armor and Armor, who played You Don't Love Me, boys, got into that. <gasps> Maybe we are playing a character. Maybe we're Lorraine Kelly by Lorraine Kelly, Shelloid by Shelloid. Anywho, go on. I was trying to think of another one. Donald Trump. Someone's by Donald losing. Trump. Okay, now, now we, we are not happy at the winner. Right. So I guess you guys know what happened. A certain episode was released and a certain rigor mortis took place. It's a bit exhausting, isn't it, really? Like, even if you... It's not about liking or disliking a queen. It's really about who's the rightful heir to the throne and who's the rightful winner. And that's what frustrates me. Wow, I'm getting really passionate about no, this. No, me too. <laughs> like, that's what frustrates me. Because it's like, oh, but now RuPaul knows everyone's no, been talking you know about what? it. No, but you know what? I'm sorry to interrupt. I'm way too passionate about this right now. I'm, I am actually emotional because... Clearly, the producers wanted to peddle a story. They wanted to give a queen a leg up. And that's what they did. That's clearly what Literally. they did. Literally. And that's just really tone deaf because, like... Can they not see what we see? Like, you can't lie to an audience. We know that that's not the right winner. Do you know what I mean? Do we not matter anymore? No, exactly. What the fuck? I've been watching this for all these years for no reason. They just wanted to tick a certain box so that they can appear as being more inclusive or something like that. That's not what we want. Oh, yeah. Or they want to rile shit up so we can keep talking about it. Yeah, uh, but do you know what? Maybe it's just because we're jealous that we don't have that platform or something. So I respect the decision. Me too. (laughs) <laughs> Do you know what? Good for you. Enjoy it. You did really, really well, I guess. And Enjoy it because no one else will. I can't wait to see you when you're in Manchester. Bye. <laughs> On tour. <laughs> Do you know what? We're living and we're literally talking about no one. Right. Everyone's, anyone listening is probably like, these two are sad, sack, pathetic. They're, but honestly, we are living so hard right now. But do you know what? This, this proves that we're playing a character. Because my name's Armour and I play Armour. Yeah, because we had that preset. 
regardless of who's won or lost, we knew what we were going to say. And do you know what? Maybe we're really good at acting because I really felt that. Uh, me too. I was like, oh my God, especially the losing part. Yeah, I was like, too. this person's, I mean, the, not the losing part. I mean, like the person that should have lost or won. And I had a, I had queens in mind. That's probably why it went high. Me too. Method acting, it's called. We are, <laughs> we are meth. <laughs> Third acting. Twinning. <laughs> okay, do you know what? That's enough shenanigans now. Let's, Let's get to the depressing shit. get back to it. So... Thank you very much, everyone, for your wonderful feedback for our first episode. Uh, we appreciate it. Some was good. Some was good. Oh, am I laughing? Uh, and we only focus on the positive. And do you know what? <laughs> what? Why are you laughing? I know why you're laughing. Everyone... Stop. Stop. Listen. No. Can, can I tell some? I'll why, edit out if you, you want me to. Why are you always obsessed with the man behind the curtain? L- listen. Yeah. The, the thing is, the last episode we said we have a dog for five days. And this episode, you went, the dog is still here. Thank you for the feedback. Okay, All Stars winner hasn't been announced, so we're going to lie about it. Girl, bye. You've just given it, given away no, so much. You can manipulate an audience <gasps> like this. Is it because we're actors? Yeah. Okay, by right, the way. I'm being serious. Edit all this out. Are you being serious about that? Yeah. Oh, I think it's fun to keep in, though. Okay. Because people like this shit, trust me. I know, because we're messy sluts. Anyway. All right. So, <laughs> the episode came out about toxic families, and heavy stories were shared. And we did promise a part two, whereby we talk about uh, reconciliation in the sense that um, you need to sort of reconcile with your feelings, emotions, make sense of them and move forward. Um, Don't you feel, Amir, some of the people that we've spoken to, particularly of South Asian descent, you know, people who are queer and South Asian, don't you tend to find that a lot of them are stuck in just recounting their stories oh yes um i feel like a lot of people are stuck in being in the hurt place mm. recounting their stories which which is which is you know do that but i genuinely feel like some people don't want to get better is that yeah, weird saying that bit? it's almost like as if it's like a comfort blanket and it justifies their actions it's, you it's, know? it's all they've ever known so why would they want to move away from what they've known it's yeah, a scary it's a tough leap one. of faith it's, it, it really is and it does really make me sad but sometimes you've just got you know you've you, well you've always got to move forward with your life so if somebody wants to stick in that cycle then that's their prerogative but yeah you're right you're i completely agree with what you're saying and you know it uh, and I would go further to say that, you know, if they feel angry and resentful, then whatever actions they take, they can justify by being angry and resentful and saying, well, I blame it on my upbringing. Do you know what I mean? It's like, oh, well, I treat you like shit. That's because I was treated like shit. Oh, okay, and then that's they really forever get stuck in it. Yeah. But you need to move out of that and you need to find a way to push yourself out of that so you can live a better life for you yourself. Can live, uh, which is growth. You know, you stunt your own growth if you carry on living in that cycle. Oh, 100, 100%. And I'm not saying it's it's easy to move on because it's a constant daily struggle and daily affirmations you've got to give yourself and daily therapy and, you know, finding the way to, is it reconcile? Do you, do you for you, do you, are you reconciling with what's happened with your upbringing, your toxic family? Is that the right word or not? Um, I think, I think it's right to an extent. Yeah. I've certainly taken stock of it. I've accepted it as reality and I'm willing to, uh, so that's what I mean by sort of reconciliation. Mm. It may not be the right word, but you know, that's what I mean. That's what I mean by it. And now I'm ready 
and, and I have been and I have been moving forward, but I am fully ready to deal with it and move forward. What got you there? Like, when was the moment you're like, I need to move forward, I need to overcome this, and how? When I started seeing that it was stunting my growth. Yeah. You know, I'll give you a simple example. Like, today, um, I'm go- I went outside, and I do a lot of my shopping online, obviously, because of the pandemic, and yada, yada, yada. Went outside, and I started feeling nervous and anxious. And I often do when I go to shopping centers and stuff on my own because I'm conscious of the way I look and the way people are going to look at me. And, you know, it's not an uncommon thing to happen. But I'm ready to move forward because guess what? I need to fix some shoes. I need to go and buy X, Y, and Z. And so I um, bring my subconscious, which is the anxiety and all that jazz, into my conscious and say, listen, bitch, this is what's happening to you right now. And this Mm. is the reason why. And you've just got to practice breathing in order to overcome it. And therefore I'm, I power through it because, you know, me doing my daily tasks will lead to my progression. It's as simple as that. I know that's a quite a granular example. The alternative would have been being overwhelmed, grabbing a takeaway and coming home. Mm. And what would that have led to? It would have led to momentary comfort, but really who's won do you know what i mean my inner demons have won and do you think your inner demons have come from your upbringing uh yes mm. yes i i would say a lot of them have you know growing i i know this this episode is about overcoming stuff but you know growing up there was a lot of don't think you're all that and my mom used to say you know your wings need cutting uh mm. in the sense that you know you're getting or you know you're getting way too big for your boots kind of thing uh, and she'd actually gesture, uh, she would make the scissors gesture saying, you know, your your wings need cutting because you think, and my dad used to be like, you know, don't think you're all that and, and yada, yada, yada. And that, and, you know, in other families, what you have is, look at my child, he can do this and he's amazing, go kids or whatever. You know, in front of other people, they'd be like, yeah, the child prodigies, our kids are amazing. But behind closed doors, it was different. It was like, this isn't good enough. Oh, you got 98%. You need to get 100%. You need to do harder. So you're, you always feel inadequate and you you feel um, a sense of inferiority. And then when you compound it with sexuality and skin tone and ethnicity and race, <laughs> it's a cocktail of shite. I, I completely agree. And I want to touch on your, uh, your point about feeling inferior yes. you know, before we progress to other stuff. Um, you know, as... I'm going to be 30 this year. You're 32. You know, we're not getting any younger. Yes. And when sometimes I, you might, one might feel inferior when you see younger people, much younger people mm-hmm. who seem happier, got it together, more talented, m- m- everything comes easier to them. And it, it's tough because it's not their fault. They could be lovely and gorgeous and beautiful and perfect. But it's because they're a product of a, a loving, supportive home. And, you know, when you are accepted by whoever you are brought up by, whether it be a grandma or one parent or two, you know, whoever it is, if you are supported and loved and cherished by them, you are a product of a loving home and you are able to thrive and you are able to, you know, go and slay. And, you know, a, a great example for our listeners will be something like Drag Race. You know, mm-hmm. when you look at the young 21-year-olds, Aquarius, 
who is a product of a, a Gigi Good, a product yes. of a loving home that sets their sexuality, helps them create, helps them thrive. Look at them. And, you know, something that Monique Hart, I know it's going off a tangent a bit, really resonated with me and really stuck with me in the interview when she said, um, you know, when you when you go to places and people are like, oh, well, you should as a drag queen or, you know, as a queer person, you should know your references and stuff um, because, you know, we've been studying these magazines for years and years and years. And what she said was, you know, as a uh, as a black or POC queer person, I was trying to survive growing mm. up and not being accepted. I didn't have time to read Vogue magazine. I didn't have time to watch, you know, these films. And that's the thing. We're catching up on that shit now. Yes. I mean, you know, life is uh, not not only what you make of it, but life is also all about the cards that have been dealt. Of course. To you, right? And yeah, absolutely. You have your Gigi Goods and your Aquarius who come from li- uh, loving families. I'm very happy you, for them, by the way. Like, yeah, and you, and people you, deserve that. Absolutely. And you see them thrive. I remember looking at um, Madhuri Dixit, who's obviously a very famous Bollywood actress. I remember watching a film of hers recently and... I just thought to, uh, to, my, to myself, a thought occurred to me. I was like, you were born to live this life. You know, you were raised as a royalty in many sh- uh, ways because her mom broke the cycle. Her mom was not allowed to sing, mm. but she was allowed to dance, I think, or, or something like that. So she said, my daughters are going to sing and dance. And so Madhuri Dixit was good at it from a very early age. And so... The teacher said, although she used to come to observe her sister's dance, the teacher said, bring her in as well. So she became a child prodigy. She said her childhood was ideal, ideal, idealistic. You know, she grew up in a community with lots of children and she clearly had loving parents, which is why all her siblings have thrived, which is why she thrived. And, you know, even when she went into the film industry, although... Uh, the film industry is often frowned upon. She was the only one, uh, the only member of a family that ever stepped into the film industry for the longest time. Work. And she was given the support of the matriarchs and patriarchs of her family. Oh, there you go. So she is uh, through and through. And she, you know, for those of you who don't know, she is a mega superstar. Oh my, those listening that don't, how would you relate in terms of Hollywood terms if people don't know? In in Hollywood terms, a legend. I, yeah, I mean, I would say she's up there with like Marilyn Monroe. I I was think, I was thinking like honestly, she is that girl. Yeah, she is, and she's a product of a loving family. But then to spin it on its head, um, Shah Rukh Khan is one of the biggest superstars in the world. His dad died when he was in his teens. Mm. His mum died uh, uh, later on, and you know. He was responsible for taking care of his disabled sister. And yeah. he w- he just came from a simple family in Delhi. And he migrated to Mumbai, tried his luck, and became the biggest superstar of all time. You know, comparable to Tom Cruise. Um, Bigger. Despite his, <laughs> yeah, despite his hardships. And, you know, with Drag Race, you know, closer to home. Uh, Aquaria, yes. Menina Luzon, yes. You've got your Gigi Goods. But equally, you've got your Latrice Royales, who yes. didn't speak to her mom for 10 years because of her sexuality, I believe, who came from a very abusive family. Her, you know, her siblings were gangsters. She was in prison and look where she is now. She's on fucking West End. And you have Bob the Drag Queen who literally came from poverty. As in his mum couldn't look after him so he had to go to relatives. And at one point they were all sharing a sofa together and shit. Yeah. Like, so it, it, you know, flip side. So I know we digressed a bit there. Yes. But it's just good to give that context and, and, and the example.
And, you know, going from our last episode where we talked about trauma and growing up in toxic families and stuff, um, coping mechanisms, dealing with it in adulthood, where do we start, babe? Sure. So, yeah, you've gone through the trauma. What do you do next? You don't want to be carrying it around. It may it might feel comfortable, but that doesn't mean that it's productive and it's healthy. Um, when you're ready, you've got to deal with it, right? And therapy, therapy, therapy. I will always advocate therapy. And I hope that one day we can have a therapist on um, our podcast to help people, uh, you know, in a wider context. It's great. Yeah, I've, I've had therapy before to, um, years ago to deal with the fact that my dad left me when he was young and I found him again and he was not very nice and, you know, daddy issues and it really helped me through that. And I think we could both agree and I don't have any issues in that area anymore. No, it's no, really weird. No. Oh my God, I was projecting so much on your biological dad. Oh my like, God, girl. Be a better one than mine. But anyway, um, yeah, in terms of coping, uh, one method, which is a little bit unconventional, uh, is around forgiveness. Too often you hear the term forgive and forget you know, you're going to have to take stock of it and you're going to have to forgive because if you don't forgive, then it consumes you. And, you know, it, it it's going to do yada, yada, yada. I've spent a lot of time forgiving my family, you know. I've spent a, um, a lot of time, like with my brother, he once came up to me and he said, you know, in a joke, in a laughing way, you know, I was pretty crazy with you when you were younger and, you know, sorry for that, Amir. And I said, no, no, it's okay. Because in that moment, I was taken off guard. I didn't know what to say. And, you know, I, even with my family, I've turned around and I thought to myself, oh, okay, well, I, you know, I forgive them. I let go of whatever. And do you know what that's done for me, Amir? Fuck all. Fuck all. Thank you. Tell the children, preach to the church, please. Do you know what? Sometimes when you forgive, it's almost like, do you know, insert choir music here. Do you know what I mean? Yes. That kind of uh, organ grinder playing. Anyway. Um, grinder? No, organ grinder. Oh, Okay. Not grinder. Um, but, you know, too often you will have um, people saying that to you. And the truth is, in my opinion, when you're forgiving someone, you are almost saying it no longer hurts. It no longer affects me. And, you know, what happened wasn't so bad that it affects me now. You know, mm. that is what true forgiveness is. You know, then you just move on for it. Like, say, for example, I've done something shitty to you or, you know, I may have betrayed your trust in the past. And then I've asked... Why? What have you done? And then I've asked <laughs> for forgiveness. Yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, and, you know, you may have done something to to me and you've asked for my forgiveness and I forgave you because guess what? I don't think about it on a day-to-day basis. It doesn't shape my existence anymore. When you go through deep trauma, physical, yeah. emotional, psychological, sexual... Should you have to forgive? Yeah, you can't compare smashing, you know, your husband's favorite plate by accident to that, can you really? No, you, you can't. Know? No, you can't. And I always say, oh, I always say now, and it's a technique that I've learned, is when someone's done something, what was the intention behind it? Yes. You know, and that's what that's what should dictate your next move. So say, for example, someone's done something by accident. I think, what was the intention? Oh, their intention was to make me a really nice meal, but they accidentally smashed the plates. Yeah. So I'm not going to be angry at it, no. you know, because guess what? They're going to feel shit. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> They're going to feel so shit. So you're going to make them feel shitter. But what's the intention behind all the fucking abuse? No, ab- absolutely. A-, a lot of it is control. It is. And a lot of it is bizarre that can't be forgiven. That can't be forgiven because it's not like they feel bad about it. <laughs> yeah. As, as You know, my, my point is forgiving doesn't necessarily do anything. I think more... Uh, 
something that will help greater is perhaps confrontation, either in person or by, you know, through a letter or something. And I'll elaborate on that uh, later on in the episode. You know, you don't have to forgive the person. You don't have to hold on to the hurt because, you know, you can develop coping mechanisms and coping techniques that will help you break that cycle. Mm. But you don't have to forgive that person for what they've done because if it's unacceptable and... It's, and that's how you feel. You should be allowed to feel like that. So, you know what? My, and I think this is the, one of the reasons why I've coped better than anticipated with what my brother did to me because he asked for the for that forgiveness, but deep down I, inside, I knew that I wasn't forgiving him. I don't forgive him for what he did. He ruined my childhood. He took my childhood away from me. But I remember when he was getting married to his first wife and he was being incredibly abusive towards me you know verbally in front of uh, our cousins and guests uh, and I said to him I said from today onwards you're dead to me you took the power and his face dropped in that moment I said you're dead to me I, I don't give a shit what happens and I think I reiterated it to him at one point as well and he just couldn't and I think you're right you've really um um, switched on the light bulb above my head because I took away that power from him. You took, you took the power and away from him and you controlled it all. And he tried to regain it because on multiple occasions, I just reminded him of the fact that he's dead to me. And if you try to regain it, it's like a little smirk. Yeah, I, oh, and, okay. And, I, and, that was my, and that was my confrontation to him. I said, do whatever you want. I don't give a shit about you anymore. I don't give a shit about your existence. And I think that confrontation did more for me than me hugging it out with him and saying, I forgive you. It's the feeling gives you, and guess what? It's a feeling that's preserved. You know, it's similar when everything happened. Uh, the last time I found my grandma, my extended family, and I was 18, 19 at the time, 18 at the time, I think. Yeah, and I was like, I'm never stepping foot in this house ever again. I'm done with you all. Fuck you. Very Heidi. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. At the end of the day, yes, fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. And fuck you. Every single time, leading at the time, it was tears, it was crying, it was upset, it was hurt from me. It was sort of, I felt weak. But in that moment, I felt strong. I felt mm. like, wow, I just did that. And I, I took back some control, some power. And taking the control and power, then it can lead to you dealing with the trauma. If you don't take the control and power, oh my God, wow. If you don't take back that power... And that control of your life, can you ever deal with the trauma? Is that why people are so stuck? Because they want to forgive and Maybe. keep going back. Because once you forgive, you've gone back. Yeah, once you forgive, you've gone back. And, and it happens again. And, and and what if it happens again? Exactly. Certain things may not never happen again. But I do question, I genuinely question whether, you know, repeated years of physical abuse is worthy of forgiveness. Physical, mental, emotional put it, torture. Put torture. It, put it this way: domestic violence against women. In in Western society, would you dare go up to a woman and say, "Have you considered forgiving him?" Never. What I'd rather do is get that man, and let's not talk about what you'd rather do to that man. Exactly. Because no, that does not deserve forgiveness and ever. In, and in South Asian societies, uh, but uh, you know, we hear the stories in India and Pakistan, maybe even Bangladesh here as well. Here, here, yeah, South Asian societies, whereby um, you know the mother-in-law might say, "Yeah, you know, sometimes he loses his temper, and you should forgive, and you know, this isn't good for the family, and what are you going to do if you don't have a husband?" and yada 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 
it's ran through my so many different relatives in my family about people being beaten and they've just had no choice had but to go to there. Forgive. Where is their anger going to go? Are they going to repeat the cycle? Is it going to go to the children? Are they? Is it going to go to the children? Is it going to go to one day their own daughter-in-law because they think that they're entitled to this? You know, yeah. it's 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 that. Um, so we're saying fuck you to forgiveness. Yeah, we're saying fuck you to forgiveness. When it comes and to I feel toxic very... upbringings. Well done, babe. Yeah, thank you. And, and, I, and I do really feel passionate about it. Yeah, f- fuck you to... Yeah, that's a great title. Fuck you to forgiveness. Yes. I don't... For... Do you know what? If you're an arsehole who's uh, hurt me, I don't forgive you. And guess what? Bitch, there's about 9 billion people in the world. I'll find another mom. <laughs> but do you know what? Can I'll I say find someone else. Obviously, I'm not talking about my mom, but of like, course. you know, just people. generally speaking, people. Yeah. But can I say something? Well done, babe. I'm so proud of you for getting there because, um, you know, there was a time not long ago where you wouldn't say that. No, I wouldn't dare. Why is that? Because it's what I said in the last episode uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, which was that it's the, unbro- it's the unspoken rule. It's an unspoken word. You know, and when you have parents that are toxic, they have a hold on you greater than you think. Mm. If you think your parents have a hold on you, believe me, in reality, it's 10 times worse. Oh, ten, that's an understatement. Yeah, we've it's been through way it and we've worse. We've seen it with people as if, well. If you think your parents have died and therefore they no longer hold control over you, you're in for a big surprise. From the grave. Yeah, they will control you from the grave. You have to do some active work in order to break that cycle. Um, and that's what it was, you know. I think to myself, well, if I confronted my mom, she'd cry and she'd feel upset. And, you know, I will hurt her and it will be really bad. So I don't want to do that to her. Or, you know, if I confronted her, what if the police got involved and they take her away and then my family would be ruined and I'd be the one who would have caused it. It's stuff like that. It's the unspoken word. It's an unspoken rule set that you have. You know, you all play a role and you must adhere to that role. That doesn't make it acceptable and it certainly doesn't does not make it healthy. So, you know, even when I've earlier on done these podcasts and stuff, and of course, I don't care to um, name and shame my family by giving out addresses and stuff. That's not what it's about anymore. You know, I'm I'm adamant to serve a purpose greater than myself now, you know, Um, but. At the same time, I'm no longer going to feel guilty for talking about it because it did happen and it may well be happening to somebody else. And I want them to have, I want them to be able to break the cycle sooner than I was able to. No, I I agree. I don't want them to be sitting, having to unpack and deal with stuff, deal with it earlier, you know, fuck forgiveness and you confront those demons and get some therapy. A hundred percent. And I've got, I've got two more to- uh, tools um, that I want to mention. Go on. Um, oh, can we but go, before... Can we affordable ones as well. Yeah. So before yeah. I go into them, I was, I, I was going to ask you as to what sort of coping mechanisms would you suggest or do you have in mind? Um, so to deal with toxic families and stuff, let's put that aside. Uh, not aside, but like yes. coping mechanisms day to day to day, having some time to yourself. <laughs> Meditate, reflecting, and and putting stuff in place. So triggers, you know, um, growing up, what were the traumatic points? And putting stuff in place and being an individual and selfish, you know. I'm in a, a relationship. I am married. But there's certain things that people might find weird that I do because it's not very relationship-fied, but I need to do that to cope. For example, um, shopping. 
Okay. That, that's one thing. So it's, for me, it's keeping control because I didn't have the control growing up. You know, um, mm. I, I do my own food shop and I do my own thing. I've got my own time when I want to go to the exact shops I want to go to. It's not like a whole family shop we do. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And obviously we go together sometimes, we cook together and do all that, but it's a control thing for me. I, I need to control that because I have so many traumatic experiences when it came to shopping growing up. Oh my God. So that that's the thing I've done to, you know, control um, that. And that's one thing. So finding for me a coping mechanism is finding some level of control of your life and knowing that you actually have the control. Yes. You know, and you're like, oh my God, I have it and no one can take this away from me because there are moments that you can have and it's like, oh my God, I can't do this. I'm not allowed to do this. Something bad might happen. But it's like, no, listen to yourself, Amir. You've got this. No one's here to stop you and there's no toxicity around. Oh, I, I completely... Uh agree with you and I want to add a point to it but before I do I just want to say don't you think these last two episodes have been very therapeutic yeah very therapeutic it's really uh, it really it's I feel like I can exhale a little bit more mm. see this is great therapy it is talking 100% mm-hmm. but yeah no what I was going to say was you know we all have our inner child and my dad yeah. and my dad used to say never let anybody kill your inner child and but what he meant by that was you know that um wonder and that amazement and that humor particularly humor don't let anyone kill that off you know being an adult doesn't mean that you're no longer allowed to have fun of course but um you when you are the product of a traumatic family that inner child can be a crying inner child and it can really rule you and you know you're you find yourself constantly attending to the needs of that crying child, what you have to kind of say to yourself is I am, and what you have to consciously recognize is that I am the adult now. The reasons why my, uh, why I would cry as a child are no longer there. I am able to confront them. And you, you know, you, I have the tools to confront those issues and I can deal with them way better. Like say, for example, I might, um, stress out and eat and you know it's my inner child just crying and, and going to what it knew what it's always known but now I can turn around and say to myself look I'm an adult I don't need to gloss over with food I you know I'm not gonna get beaten up for um, standing up for my rights you know mm-hmm. I'm not gonna get beaten up for prancing around on stage and dancing and performing. I'm not going to get beaten up for marrying a man. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not going to get beaten up for being gay for my family. Like I am the adult. I no longer need to um, stress about those things. Do you know what I mean? Is, yeah. is that, is that not, be, is, is a case of not being ruled by your inner child? Of course. Cause sometimes you feel like when you get to adulthood and you've been through trauma, you don't quite feel like an adult. No, you at don't. All. No. I'm like, I'm only 30. I'm like, that's, really adult and no it doesn't feel that way yeah and you know in between all of that you know to get to that stage you have to do some work and legwork and unfortunately we're not therapists so you know we can't advise you as to exactly what to do but you know one suggestion is confront it is confrontation know that you are no longer that vulnerable child and you are able to stand up for yourself and be present and you and i know people who are not like that unfortunately yeah i know and they do not stand up for themselves and they are not present because they were never allowed to be and now they are adults um 
lurking in the shadows sort of thing, which is very sad to see, particularly when, you know, the person is your friend, etc. But, you know, if you are strong and uh, uh, enough to confront the person in in real life, do that. Writing a letter can be therapeutic. You know, just find a way to put a full stop to it, essentially. And I would recommend, again, Dr. Susan Forward's book uh, on toxic uh, parents. Uh, but I think it can be applied to other family members as well. Of course. I think a few like affordable things, because, you know, therapy can be difficult to access and not that affordable. Um, yes. Like the books, the book that you mentioned and books, therapy books can be uh, really great. And writing as well can be really cathartic and therapeutic. And there's online um, forums as well that you can join. Yes. The therapy, online therapy groups as well. Yeah. That there's, are free. There's, 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 a lot, there's a lot out there. But you have to get to a stage where you're like, I'm going to do it. You have to take the leap of faith and do it. It's tough. It's tough because you feel like you're being weak, but actually you've been strong you're, by you, doing so. A hundred percent. You have to be willing to change. You know, that sort of cycle that you're in might feel comfortable, but it, as I keep saying, it's not productive. So you have to be willing to step away from it. And like Amir says, you know, there's a lot of support out there that you can tap into that are not friends, but they are professionals who are willing to help you that too at low cost. It, it is possible. You know, I've gone down other routes before that are free or are low costs um, when I haven't had the resources. Um, and, and also another point is with therapy, you know, the ideal uh, thing would be to sit on a couch and talk to somebody for ages, you know, that's in actual fact that's not the holy grail and it doesn't work for anyone uh, for everyone you know i've gone through several therapists to get to where i am right now because you know i i didn't i couldn't find the match and i tend to find some people will go for therapy and they say oh no i've done it it doesn't work for me you've got to give it time it's like mm. any other relationship unfortunately you have to find the right one um, and the one who's actually willing to help you and is not a pushy salesperson and they know what they're talking about and they can give you the correct advice. So And the coping mechanisms to get through what faith. you are yeah. and move on. Because it's strange, you know, once once you get through an issue, and people are like, oh, no, it haunts you for life. It doesn't. It's really weird. You know, I've been through therapy. It's really strange when it works. Cause it's yeah. like, oh, my God, I don't feel that anger anymore. I don't feel that hurt and I don't feel that pain. And I feel good and I feel like I can do this. And it's... Really, really strange. But another thing I want to mention is therapy isn't a one-time thing. You can t tap in and out of it for life. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You, you you might find many on many occasions in your life that you need to go for a fine-tune-up. Fine you know, it might be, you know, you might be going through a breakup and it's bringing up a lot of childhood memories for you or something. You know, you, you just never know. That's actually another thing, you know. Some people who don't um, deal with certain things in their lives end up replicating it with their partners. Oh, of course, because that's all you've ever known. Yeah. It's all you've ever known. I've known people that have done that before. And, you know, it's all you've ever known and you don't know any better. And that's what you've seen. So that's what you're going to do. And you're not allowing yourself to tackle it or deal with it. And it's probably because, you know, we've been brought up, been told that that stuff is weak. You know, yes. therapy with a weak. You can't tell anyone. Keep it secrets in the family. Keep all the yeah. toxic shit in. But actually, it's not. It's really fucking strong to go out there and get therapy. And but I'm getting therapy because I'm making myself better. That is such yes, mama. That is such a yes. I'm proud of you. Work. Clap my hands. Good for you. A hundred percent. Celebrating the fact that you are wanting to get better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're 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 strong. Like Amir says, you are strong for wanting to get better and mm -hmm. you are even stronger for taking those steps towards it 
so in terms of um you know toxic families and and, and things such as that do you think people should just cut them all out if it's that bad when they're older? I don't think there's any harm in that. Yeah. I've um, toiled with this for the longest time in my head. Um, for the longest time. I thought to myself, well, you know, I'm doing all of this stuff and now I'm out in the public with it all. What if my parents turned around and said, all is forgiven, we love you, great, yada, yada, yada. Would I go back? And don't get me wrong, I do know of people who've gone through a similar-ish cycle, you know, you can't cross-dress or you can't be trans and blah, blah, blah. And then they've seen them on television or they've seen them uh, doing well and then they're ready to accept. Because I believe inherently everyone celebrates success, right? Mm -hmm. And I do think that to myself, you know, I do have stars in my eyes. I am deluded like that. But, you know, if one day we did something that was on a large platform, would my family see it? And if they saw it, would they be proud enough to approach me? I, I have thought about that. I genuinely have. And then I think to myself as to what I would do in that moment. And I think I'd just be numb. Mm. Because I think it's got to the point where I cannot ignore what happened. And I must draw a line to ensure that it doesn't happen again. Of course. And you know what? I've given people too many chances in my life mm. and I don't think that they're going to change and even if they have changed I hope that they apply that change to the new people that come into the, to their lives I think I'm too um, far gone or too burnt up to uh, go back and also I don't see any value in it apart from just appeasing the other person mm. I, I don't uh, you know that's how I feel. And there are times when, you know, I will miss certain family members and there are times where I will feel sad or uh, lonely. You know, I'll be completely honest. Those those feelings, uh, although they are less and less and less as time goes on, they are still there at times. But then I do think to myself, do I want to reconcile? And the answer is no, I don't want to because I don't think, excuse me, I don't think it is good for my growth prosperity and overall well-being and i think i am deluded in thinking that people uh, change that rapidly mm. and what's interesting that you you know talked about not wanting to reconcile the thing is obviously they kicked you out because of your sexuality even if you were straight would it even be worth it like because you yes. still went through what you went through and this is what one thing people forget is let's, it's not all about sexuality you know it's the fact they are toxic families and toxic people regardless yes you know and and touching upon what you said about missing you know families and stuff you know i i have bouts of this uh where i'm like oh my god i just miss but what i've realized i miss what was never there i miss yes. what, what wasn't you know i miss the idealistic um you know form of what i view a utopian family to be yes i i don't miss what was because when you unpack what was it's like wow i can't miss that yeah there is a balance isn't there i mean no family is perfect and you are gonna have some sort of trials and tribulation tribulations within family but there's a balance to be struck and you think to yourself well if i go back is is the payoff going to be worth it and i think you and i have come to the conclusion that it's not no not at all and it's it's, it's a tough not. it's a tough one to take it but is, the it other is. side it will be tougher. Yeah, I think, you know, uh, whilst we were recording the last episode, I th did think as to what I would do. And I think I would just say, this is what happened. This is how I felt. All the best. And I'd be like, 
Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. <laughs> I think one of the coping mechanisms that I do want to mention is breaking the cycle. Go on. And that's really, really important. And I've alluded to it before. I think, you know, finding a way to bring um, your traits and habits into the conscious will help you actively break the cycle, mm. you know, and just know that I am not my mother or father uh, say for example with food you know i have an unhealthy relationship with food because food was so uh, and you know there was a level of scarcity and abundant abundance at the same time created in my home you know i'm used to people hitting the roof if i have a bag of crisps and then people saying oh well you're fat that's why and it's like well no you know <laughs> I would overindulge probably because I w it was just taken away. So now that I'm older and in charge of my own money and in charge of my own life, you know, there's times where I'll scoff my face and it's because there's something inside and there's a voice inside my head saying, quick, before anyone finds out. Mm. And I have to actively tell myself, listen, it's not going to happen. It's, that's not going to happen. You are in control of this now. And, you know, t talking about, you know, replicating the cycle, I think I did that with you to a certain extent mm. where I felt that you should help police me in terms of what I have and what I don't have. And this sounds like a really bizarre thing yeah. to talk about. And then uh, there was one fine day where I realized that it was a, it was a cycle that I was creating for no apparent reason. Oh, yeah, it's on you, not on anyone else. Yeah, I, I'm not um, a complete food addict. You know, I have unhealthy habits that turn into healthy habits, you know, dependent on circumstances. But, you know, I, I don't need to, I don't need for you to police me. And I enable that. And I've said that to you before, you know, as in, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm sorry that I did that. But it was because that's all what I knew. I was used to somebody commenting and... Um, uh, making me feel down for, and you were the one who actually said, it was like, bitch, it's food, enjoy it. It's there to be enjoyed. Oh, I love food. Yeah, yeah. So that I'm healthy and I love yeah, food. Yeah, 100%. And, and that, that was one big one for me. And there's many more, you know, when I've had confrontations with people, I have to tell myself, look, it's not going to end up in a blowout. It doesn't have to end up as a as a blowout. Oh, that's me. <laughs> in, or, in order for it to be resolved. That's not how... The ninety-nine point nine 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 percent of confrontations end. I used to think not... someone's going to have to end up on the floor crying. Yeah, and that it doesn't have to be like no. that. Sometimes you just vent and you move on. Mm -hmm. Or you just, uh, you can't say nothing at all, uh, reprogram yourself and move on. So, oh, of course. So yeah, those are my three coping mechanisms. Fuck you to forgiveness. Confrontation, write a letter. Uh, and breaking that cycle. I love them. It's a good order as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a, yeah. It's, it's a good order of like how to deal with things. So well done. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, I hope you guys have enjoyed this episode. Let us know if you would like us to continue this conversation, this dialogue. Let us know if you would definitely want us to have a therapist on board uh, that we can uh, do an interview with. We love you lots, Amir. Is there anything else that you would like to say? Um, I just want to say to anyone that's, you know, had some kind of toxic upbringing or family in that way that um, if you allow it to, it gets better. Only if you're open to change and open to working at it, it gets better. If you're not open to that, good luck. And you've got to be ready. And you've got <laughs> to be... Horrible, like, 
good luck because it's tough. And you've got to be ready to embrace that Oh, change. you've got to be ready. And you know what? It's going to be magical. Yeah, we're creatures of habit, but change is the only constant. Thank you. Love you guys lots. We love you, but you don't love me. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the You Don't Love Me podcast with Amir and Amir. Follow us on Instagram at You Don't Love Me Boys. Follow us also on Twitter at YDLM Boys. And you can also email us on You Don't Love Me Boys at Outlook.com. Thank you very much for listening. Bye.